The New York Islanders fell flat in their matinee against the Calgary Flames. We have a special episode of Locked On Islanders to discuss that and a whole lot more. Sar tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Barzell with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. And welcome, everybody, to this special live bonus edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone who makes Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your co- uh, your podcast so you can get new episodes as soon as they drop and uh don't forget to subscribe so you can get new episodes right away also uh want to thank our everydayers and welcome everybody here uh to this special bonus saturday edition as we discuss the islanders loss to the flames if there's something islanders related on your mind if you have a question a comment maybe a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future episode, just send us an email to LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your first name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the show when we talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. You could follow the show on X at Locked On Isles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on X at IceWords, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. We'll keep you up to date on all things Islanders all season long. And uh, I am live tweeting during nearly every Islanders home and road game. So join me for some instant insight and analysis. And it's great to talk Islanders hockey with you, game time or anytime. Got to say, this was a very disappointing performance by the New York Islanders against the Calgary Flames. You know, Thursday, this Islanders team played their most Patrick Waugh-esque game that they played since the coaching change took place. And that was encouraging. They they did so many little things right. They were in the right position defensively. They exited the zone very well. They transitioned from defense to offense. And you even heard ESPN announcers, and we know the ESPN announcers tend not to be all that pro-Islander traditionally. I mean, heck, one of them was even Mark Messier. But anyway, uh, the announcer saying, oh, yeah, the Islanders are playing fast. They look quicker. And that was because of how well they were doing, how they were playing smart positional hockey. And basically uh, getting into the right spot to anticipate where the puck was going to be. And it made a difference as to their ability to get to pucks, to create plays, to do the things they needed to do in order to 
create scoring chances on the one end and prevent them on the other. What we saw Saturday against the Calgary Flames was almost like Thursday against the Bolts didn't happen. It was a complete reversion to Lane Lambert-style hockey. Not not entirely, but thoroughly. And it, it, it just wasn't a crisp game. They weren't positionally smart. They reverted back to having difficulty clearing the puck out of their own zone. And it, it, it just wasn't pretty overall when this team took the ice. And again, something we talked about every day is no, throughout the season, the Islanders on Thursday against Tampa Bay played a complete 60-minute game. And one of the reasons I said Thursday was that that may have been the Islanders' best game of the season is because they played a full 60 minutes. Well, against the Flames this afternoon, the Islanders played maybe a 20-minute game. They showed up in the third period, but by that time, they were already losing three to nothing, and that ended up putting them in a bad spot. And, you know, this is not an overly gifted offensive team. If you fall behind three to nothing, it is going to be difficult to come back. And, you know, another thing that we've talked about, and it was true again this afternoon, the first line is always a big key for the Islanders because they lack the scoring depth that a lot of other NHL teams had. Well, in this game, Matthew Barzal, Bo Horvat, Anders Lee, all minus three in this contest. Now, they had shots. Uh, Barzi had seven shots on goal. Horvat had three. But again, uh, when, when you're giving up that many uh, scoring opportunities that end up in the back of the net, that's just not going to get the job done. If your top line is minus three, you are not going to win a lot of hockey games. And look, you could make some arguments. Yeah, the officials missed some calls. And, you know, there were two high sticks uh, in the first period, especially that easily could have been called. Although since they happened maybe five seconds apart, they probably only would have called one of them. But, uh, you know, they did miss some opportunities. But then when the Islanders did get a power play, in the third period, nothing, absolutely nothing. And it looked like they were reverting to form again on the power play where they were not active enough without the puck, not moving the puck quickly enough. They had one or two scoring opportunities, but the lack of crispness and, and intention on that power play showed and they came up empty in a situation where they really needed to have that power play goal. Another issue to me in this game was the play of Semyon Varlamov. And I'm not going to say Varley was awful. He wasn't awful, but huge. Again, sometimes it's not just how many goals you give up, but the kind of goals you give up and when you give them up. And let's face it. That very first goal, 
that the Flames scored in this game was a soft goal. There was just no way around it. I mean, Mackenzie Weger had a hat trick in this game, and congratulations to him. But that first Mackenzie Weger goal is a play that that Varlamov really should have stopped, and he just did not. And, you know, you're less than four minutes into the game. The Islanders had the first two shots on goal in the game, and then uh, kind of fell apart. The wheels just fell off after that, and it, it was all downhill from there. You know, the next five or six shots all belong to Calgary. That first goal was a little bit demoralizing. And why? I, I still don't know. You know, this is a veteran Islanders team. And we've talked about the age of this team often enough. But you would think a veteran team would know how to adjust to matinees. And, you know, if the puck is dropping at 110 or 108 or whatever time the puck is dropping, you've got to be ready. And this team wasn't. And over the years, we have seen too many flat performances in matinee games. Can't afford that. Whatever time the game is, wherever the game is, home, road, outdoors, like we're going to see a week from tomorrow, you've got to be ready to play. And this Islanders team just wasn't. And the results were predictable. This team is not talented enough, top to bottom, to play 20 solid minutes of hockey and 40 minutes of meh hockey and still win. And let's face it, the Flames, they're not a bad team, but they're not an elite team either. And you've got to come out with a better effort than this Islanders team did against the Calgary Flames. One other note about Semyon Varlamov, this was his 600th career NHL game. So congratulations to him on reaching that milestone. But you just wish it would have been a better performance, both by Varley and by the team itself, because, boy, this was uh, a disappointing thing. And, you know, it was great to see this team play well on Thursday against Tampa Bay. And, yeah, the fact that Tampa Bay was coming off a back-to-back and was dealing with injuries was part of it. But here's another thing. Uh, The mark of a really good team is not having – one really outstanding game. The mark of a good team is that you win and play well consistently. And this Islander team has, the only thing they've done consistently all season is be inconsistent, whether it's from shift to shift, period to period, game to game. And we saw that again today and the result was a loss. All right, we've got a lot more to discuss on today's show. We're going to talk about Uh, Alexander Romanov, his absence from this game and what it meant to the Islanders, plus, uh, you know, something that kind of made me angry as far as how Patrick Waugh handled the situation. Uh, So we'll talk about that. We'll also, we will have an Islanders birthday of the day today. Uh, A former devil who was with the Islanders for one season in the mid to late 90s. Let's see if you can guess who that is. We've got all that and more coming up on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. 
Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. And now you can also find it on Amazon Fire TV. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Find the Locked On Sports Today channel now on Amazon Fire TV. So Alexander Romanov missed the last, what was it, about eight to ten minutes of the third period of the game against the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning on Thursday. And that was certainly disappointing. They were hoping he would be ready. He did not play, and they officially listed Romanov as day-to-day. And, you know, disappointing for sure not to have Romanov. He's been on your top pair with Noah Dobson, uh, and, and that's been a very important part of the, the Islanders' success, the way that duo played. So we, we find out that, you know, Romanov was going to be likely a game-time decision and then get to the game, and he's not available. So what did Patrick Wad do? He puts in Sebastian Ajo into the lineup and, for the start of the game at least, pairs Ajo with Noah Dobson, just putting him into the same spot that Alexander Romanov played. And... I just thought that was a big mistake. Why? Because, well, when somebody gets injured, you want to replace that player with somebody who can play a similar role. Now, obviously, your seventh or eighth defenseman is not going to be as good as guys in your top six. That's why they're on the bench to begin with. But you had Samuel Bolduc, you had Sebastian Ajo. To me, there were two choices you could make in this game. You could either plug in Samuel Bolduc, who at six foot four can play more of a defensive oriented game opposite Noah Dobson. No, he's not going to be as good as Alexander Romanov at this stage in Bolduc's career, but he is able to play more of the same role that. Uh, Alexander Romanov plays as opposed to Sebastian Ajo, who doesn't have the size to play that role and doesn't have a style that even resembles that of Alexander Romanov. The other alternative, in my mind, 
would have been to say, okay, Aho is my next best option overall on defense. That would have been a different option. But if you do that, if you think Aho is 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 better suited to play than Bolduc, you can't just slot Aho into the same spot as Romanov. I think if that happens, if you're going to play Aho, you got to separate Pelik and Polak and have one of them play opposite Dobson and then juggle your pairings. Now, I would have gone with Bolduc because that's the least amount of change. You could just plug Bolduc in opposite Dobson and keep everything relatively the same for the rest of your defensemen. But if you're going to go with Aho, break up Pellick and Pollock and have a more defensive-oriented player uh, available to, to pair with Dobson. And if you look at the box score of this game, again, not overly surprising that Noah Dobson is a minus two in this game. Now, he, he had five shots on goal. He had an assist. I'm not saying he was awful, but you got to have a guy like Dobson who's going to take chances, who's going to pinch, who's going to play a more offensive-oriented style. You could have paired him with, you know, to me, Pellick, Pollock, or Mayfield. Those are the guys that you could easily uh, sort of step in to that role. Now, obviously, Dobson is a right shot defenseman, so you would want Pellick there over Pollock, uh, who's a left defenseman. I wouldn't go Riley because, again, Riley, to me, Aho and Riley are just closer in style to the kind of game they play. If Riley gets hurt, I plug in Aho. If if Romanov gets hurt, I plug in Bolduc because I think that ends up making things uh, smoother overall for the New York Islanders as far as this lineup is concerned and as far as the way this team wants to play hockey. So, you know, that was certainly disappointing. As far as hero and goat of the game, uh, love to see what you have to say in the comments about that. Uh, tough to pinpoint a hero in this one. I, I, I'm going to go with Brock Nelson for the goal that at least woke the Islanders up a little bit uh, in the third period. And for goat, I'm going with Varley even though, again, it wasn't like he played terribly, but he gave up three goals in just 22 shots, and that's and one of those three was definitely a softy. So that's how I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go Varlamov as the GOAT and Brock Nelson as the hero of the game. Not a lot of great choices uh, for the hero. And again, if anybody wants to uh, make a comment in the live chat right now on the live chat. Uh, feel free if you want to say who the hero and goat of the games were. But a disappointing effort. And to me, it'll be very interesting to see what Patrick Waugh does between now and the game on Tuesday. How will he respond and how will the Islanders respond to what he does? Because it is going to be vital for this team 
to win that game on Tuesday night. This was an opportunity against the Flames that they did not take advantage of, but you have got to come out on Tuesday against Seattle, a team that has been up and down all season long, and you have got to play a better hockey game and get the two points against this Western Conference team because any hopes you have of the playoffs will slip away if you don't start getting the job done. There just isn't a lot of margin for error, and it sort of comes full circle where you go back and say, did Lou Lamorello make the coaching change too late when all was said and done? Well, we'll see. Hopefully, Patrick Waugh can get this team back on track. But we've got a lot more to get to on today's show. We'll talk about the benching of Oliver Wallstrom, plus uh, a couple of thoughts about what may happen at the trade deadline, and we'll have our Islanders' birthday of the day. All that and more still to come on this special edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with quality candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Locked On Islanders will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Locked On. Just go to Indeed.com slash Locked On right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on Locked On Islanders. Indeed.com slash Locked On. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is also brought to you by Robinhood. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you could still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th, so get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info, claim as of quarter one of 2024, validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to specific conditions and terms. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker dealer. All right. So Oliver Wallstrom, boy, oh boy, getting frustrating. Patrick Waugh sending a message already to Wally and sitting him down for the last, what was it, six or seven minutes of the second period, ends up double shifting 
Matthew Barzal in his place. While he still played 10 minutes, 23 seconds of ice time, which is more than all three members of the identity line. But again, not a lot out of Wallstrom. He had one hit. He did block three shots. I give him that. No shots on goal. You didn't really see Wallstrom involved in this game offensively where you were like, oh, yeah, Wally had three really great chances that I could see. And and he, you know, accomplished this, this and this. Wally wasn't all that noticeable. And if Wa is already sending him messages and, you know, what is this? Wallstrom's third straight game that he's playing. That is disappointing and look at least he came back into the game in the third period uh you know in the past under Barry Trotz under Lane Lambert they would have benched Wally probably for the rest of the game or close to it at least Wah sent the message in the second period gave him a chance in the third period and still gave him his 10 minutes give or take but you really want to see more from Oliver Wallstrom. And it's going to take time. We have to be a little bit patient with him. But, uh, you know, you want to see more from Oliver Wallstrom. And it becomes a chicken and egg kind of a situation where if he doesn't play well, he's not going to play a lot. And if he doesn't play a lot, he's not going to be confident and he's not going to play well. And, you end up in this downward negative spiral of problems. It may just be that Oliver Wallstrom needs a change of scenery to bring out his potential. It would not surprise me at all if Lou Lamorello ends up trading Oliver Wallstrom at the trade deadline. And, you know, you've heard me say every dayers that they may be putting him in the lineup in order to showcase him to see if they can get another team interested in what Oliver Wallstrom can do. And it's a shame. He was a first-round pick. He was sort of the the hope that, okay, if we're going to develop a guy who could score 20, 25, maybe even 30 goals, Oliver Wallstrom is the closest we're going to be able to do to get to that. But it just doesn't look at this point like he's consistently going to produce. Now, I want to give him some more chances. I want to give him some more games, but I I am not sure whether or not Lou Lamorello and Patrick Waugh are going to see it that way. It'll be interesting to see. I still believe that since Lou Lamorello went out and hired Patrick Waugh, that he is going to be more inclined to make a deal and not wait until the trade deadline to do it. Last year, Lou Lamorello was on top of things, got Bo Horvat well before the trade deadline, and then made a deal at the deadline, a, a smaller deal that brought Pierre Engvall here. Now that he's dedicated to his new coach, Patrick Waugh, I get the feeling within the next two week, week and a half, maybe week to 10 days, that we see... Lou Lamorello make some kind of a move, whether it's the puck moving defenseman, whether it's a goal scorer, whether it's a middle six forward, whatever it is that this 
you know, organization needs. Whatever Patrick Waugh says, you know, we really short-term need this if we're going to make a playoff run. I think Lou Lamarillo is going to go out and try to bring in that kind of player, whether he'll be able to or not, what a little cost, whether we'll be giving away a fifth straight first round pick as part of the deal. All of those are questions that remain to be seen, and we will be on top of it here on the Locked On Islanders podcast throughout. Time now for our Islanders bonus birthday of the day and Sunday tomorrow is the 58th birthday of former Islanders center Alexander Simak. The Russian started his career in Russia before there was even a KHL, when it was just the Russian league. Broke into the NHL in 91-92 with the Devils, who drafted him in the 10th round back in 1988. Played parts of four seasons with the Devils, then with the Lightning, and then joined the Islanders for the 95-96 season. His only year on the island Scored 20 goals in just 69 games and 34 points for the Islanders. Then went on to play briefly for the Canucks in the minors and then back to Russia uh, where he finished his career. CMAC, 83 goals and 174 points in 289 NHL games. Add a goal and an assist in eight playoff games in the NHL. But uh, none of those. We're with the Islanders. His best game as an Islander, December 10th, 1995 at the Old Spectrum in Philadelphia. Islanders and Flyers in a classic Patrick Division matchup. Islanders going with Tommy Soderstrom in goal in the Fisherman jerseys, while uh, Ron Hextall and Garth Snow both played goal for Philadelphia in this one. Surprise, surprise, when the Broad Street Bullies are involved, a lot of fights and, and misconducts breaking out, especially in the early part of the third period of this one. But uh, for our Islanders' birthday of the day, Alexander Simak, he scores a goal in the first period that made it 2-0 Islanders with uh, Andre Vasilev and Todd Bertuzzi assisting. He assists on a goal in the second period by Brian McCabe, Todd Bertuzzi, the other assist. And then he scores again in the third, Marty McGinnis and Brian McCabe, the assist. Islanders beat the Flyers on the road by a score of 6-2. to two. 32 saves for Soderstrom for C-Mac. Two goals, two assists. He was a plus four, and he had seven shots on goal in this game. So, uh, again, I want to thank everybody who makes Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. And for joining us today for this live special edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We will be back at our usual time for the Monday show. And if you guys enjoyed this special episode and want us to do more live shows after games, we're going to do one for sure at the trade deadline. Definitely uh, let me know in the comments, in face, uh, on uh, email, on YouTube, or uh, on X. So just get in touch with me. Let me know. I'm always happy to do these. And I will stick around uh, in the chat for a little while after this is over just to uh, talk to everybody and thank everybody for stopping by. So have a great day, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Stay safe. And of course, let's go Islanders.